The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. Culture Club time and we're joined in studio by the man who is the Minister for Further and Higher Education but also has a six-month stint as Minister for Justice uh, that he's undertaking while uh, Helen McEntee is on maternity leave. Simon Harris, thank you very much for taking the time to join us. I promise you we're not going down the political route even though you might prefer if I went (laughs) down the political route and we're going to stick to what we've done with the other politicians who've joined us on Culture Club over the years and we're going to go for the music and the movies and the television television and the books but we're going to start with the first single you could ever admit to buying or can remember buying. <laughs> well I was having to scratch my I was to scratch my head for this because I, I grew up in a I grew up in a, in a family who spent a lot of time in a car particularly on summer holidays with uh, cassettes as they were then on and being uh, indoctrinated into Garth Brooks and Mary Black and Francis Black on all our family holidays and my parents would have them on a loop but the first uh the first single I can remember buying um, was the Red Hot Chili Peppers uh, by the way why did you pick that? That I don't remember, but I do remember. I remember. I remember listening to it a hell of a lot uh, in my bedroom growing up, uh, growing up in Greystones uh, as a young teenager, and uh, it's a song that's still stuck with me to today. Let's hear a little bit of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, by the way. Standing in line to see the show. Rebellion against your parents and Garth Brooks. I was just thinking that actually. I was bringing back memories of a memories of a moody teenager uh, in the room at home in Greystone. So yeah. Would you ever listen to the likes of the Red Hot Chili Peppers now, or is that very much from? No, truthfully, I haven't. In fact, that's the first time I've heard that song in a long time. It's very nostalgic. Never gone to see them in concert or anything. No, never seen them in concert. What about Garth Brooks? Did you get to Garth Brooks last summer when he was in Dublin? I'm half feeling like I was one of the few people in the country who didn't get to Garth Brooks. I didn't go either. Um, My my family went, my mother went, my brother and my sister, I think, went. So they were Just still... Ask they were, I don't think I was invited. Yeah, I must, I must have that family row. Uh, but no, I didn't, I, didn't, uh, I didn't get there, but they certainly enjoyed it. Are you a gig goer? You know, I... Well, for, for very obvious reasons, I haven't been in it. I haven't been in recent years between COVID, being Minister for Health and, and the likes. I that doesn't to, stop your party leader in Taoiseach, Leo Varadkar, or the Finance or Public Expenditure Minister, Pascal Donoghue, from regular concert course. That's true, that's true, actually. And that's a fair point. They're probably, uh, they must be better at their time management than I am. They don't have young children. And they don't have young, well. they, they don't have young children. That's another one. But, uh, I did, I did used to get to quite a few music festivals, um, when I was younger. I mean, one of the best things I, ever did and actually if there's any 
any younger person listening and looking for uh, thinking of going into Reading or anything um, as they get into the summer months one of the best music festivals I ever went to uh, was Ziggit in, uh, in Budapest so after during my college years we went uh, into Reading a bunch of my friends and I and we would have travelled quite extensively around Europe but we got ourselves to uh, to this festival Ziggit um, I'm trying to remember what year it was probably 2007 2006 I think and um, it's a week long uh, it's a week-long music festival. I think we did about three nights at it, which was probably long enough. Um, but we had a, an absolutely amazing time because if you think, if you think EP or you think Oxygen as a, a back in back in the day, it's it's all of that and more and good weather, uh, which was quite amazing and probably cheaper as well. Probably cheaper, though. Uh, yeah, probably uh, and definitely a different time in terms in terms of cost. But like we saw some amazing uh, in bands there. We saw the Who Cooks, did you see? Uh, the Cooks, uh, the Killers, Alanis Marset. Um, and many others are the three that come to mind really really great though Well, intense we as well though <laughs> in, in what way? well three if you think about it like three days of festivaling you know I don't know and I was younger then as well but like three <laughs> days every day heat probably okay. 30 odd degree heat let's hear a little bit of the killer's life I don't think yeah. this is from Ziggot I think this is from the Royal Albert Hall in London <laughs> but it is probably the killer's best known song Mr Brightside ah yes <laughs> and Mr. Brightside. Simon Harris is with us for our Culture Club today. So, your favourite album is? Definitely, maybe, but the Oasis album. Um, Why have you picked that one? I think it has some of their... It's one I remember getting as well in my teenage years, but it's it also has... Um, it, it also has some of, their, some of their best on it. I mean, You've Lived Forever, Supersonic. Um, I just think Oasis are, are and always will be. It's just such an iconic... Uh, such an iconic band and I think that's a really great album though you could kind of pick many of the Oasis albums I think so yeah pretty pretty good uh, Oasis fan um, saw them in Slane back I don't remember back when now um, but yeah I think it was one of their last times together yeah before Noel before and Liam went the bus stop yeah ways. exactly well one of their many bus stops so it's permanent at this stage I think isn't it let's hear a little bit of Half the World Away This old town don't smell too pretty And I can feel the warning signs Running around my mind And when I leave this island I put my 
Deluxe edition of Definitely Maybe, but I understand that's your favourite Oasis song. Yeah, it is, and um, it's on my it's on my Spotify uh, my Spotify playlist as well. So I uh, I listen to that quite regularly. Okay, but when it comes to a favourite artist, who would you go for? Uh, I think it's. I, I mean, I I try to support Irish artists, and I find myself listening to a lot of Irish music. Um, Dermot Kennedy, like uh, probably a lot of the country, got me through a lot of the COVID period. Um, I thought a couple of his his songs. All my friends, I thought was a was a particularly poignant one. I think we would all be kind of listening to, thinking, "God, will we ever get to see our friends again?" Um, and then he obviously had the the better days as well, which I think nearly became the well, the anthem of COVID in many ways for people hoping that we'd get through this. So Dermot Kennedy, uh, fan of on my Spotify list, I also have um, I also listen to, to to Zombie a lot, um, the Cranberries, um, also the Script um, and Codeline. Um, as well, uh, as well, bit of chorus too. So I try. I have a, I have a, an Irish music playlist on my on my Spotify that I tend to listen to most uh, most evenings when I'm out for my walk as well. I believe Codeline, you also had one of their songs as your wedding song for the first dance. <laughs> I'm told. I did. It's a bit, probably a bit a bit cheesy, but we had we had the one. Um, but we we kind of mushed it up with um, what is it now? I can't remember. Um, Get up and um, stand up and dance with us. Stand up and dance with me. Um, so we we started with the kind of the soppy bit, uh, and then got into the more uh, the fast moving one Aren't as well. Aren't you lucky that you remembered? What the I remember the first bit one. Thank God. Yeah, <laughs> but I but I have another another line memory as well that I'll, that I that I well, hold on, hold the hold the sure, thought on the sure, codeline sure. memory because we'll play a little bit of oh, yeah, what cool. you call the soppy song. The one. <laughs> Tell me all the stories that they turned up to finish singing the song at your wedding or something. No, though. before I tell you my codeline story, I better I better correct myself or there'll be in, I'll be in trouble around the dinner table. It was shut up and dance with me. It was the one went into shut up and dance, <laughs> and dance with me. There, my better correct that one quickly. No, um, you'll probably remember what she's without getting into the politics of it. You'll probably remember the after the what was it the twenty sixteen general election. The government formation talks went on forever, and they were let's say they were a. Uh, 
they were tense and tedious at, at, at times. And I remember driving myself in um, from Greystones to the talks uh, each day with the um, with Independence, and uh, I, re- I had the Codaline um, album on pretty much loop. But there were two songs that I thought <laughs> they like popped up on my screen in front of me. One was High Hopes, uh, and the other was Everything Works Out in the End. And I tell you, I used to have to sing those words very loudly on my way in just to convince myself we'd get there with Shane Ross. And I say that affectionately to my fellow Wicklow man, Shane Ross. But uh, yeah, uh, Codaline took me through uh, the government formation talks, or at least the journey to and from them anyway. Okay, Simon Harris is with us for the Culture Club here on The Last Word of Today FM. We'll take one more thing. We get away from music before we take a break. Movies. And uh, like a good Fine Gael man, you picked <laughs> Michael Collins as your favourite movie. Well, it, it, well, A, you'd have to be. It's true. Uh, and C, it's one of my first... It's one of my first... I'm sure it wasn't my first, but it's one of my first memories of going to the cinema with them. Um, my dad took me to see the movie, Michael Collins. And Which was 1996, if I remember right. Yeah, it came out so the end of 96. Like, what age were you? I was at 10. Um, okay. So it definitely was my first time. It's one of those first, me- first cinema memories. It's in my mind. And we went to see it in a cinema in Greystones that's now shut many years. But it also happens to be the cinema that was used in the Father Ted episode. You know where they're outside saying, down with this sort of thing, Carl, yes. now? So that is the cinema just for your... For your uh, for your listeners to have a picture of it, and I remember going to see the the Michael Collins movie uh, in in that. And of course, it uh, shaped my political views in due course. But I also think it's actually a brilliant movie, uh, really well acted. Uh, obviously, with Liam Neeson. So, how did it affect you as a ten year old? Well, I remember. I suppose it was very educational, being quite frank. So, I mean, as a ten year old child, getting a getting, I suppose, an insight uh, into the Michael Collins story, into the struggle for independence and the like. So, it was probably my first introduction. Uh, I guess to to Irish history, and I've gone on uh, through school and beyond to, to obviously have an. Because you know, there would have been Irish people history. who would have quibbled about the accuracy of it and yeah. some of the insinuations as to how he died at the end. Well, we're all friends now, aren't we? And we obviously had. Uh, I was at Bale I was at Bale this year, which was addressed by a by a Fianna Fáil leader and a Fine Gael leader. But um, yeah, and I know you, the, the wind that shakes the barley and the view that that perhaps presented uh, the other side. Um, so thankfully, our country has come a hell of a long way since then. But no, look, it was a great movie. But it's also for me. Um, just a great memory of good family times, um, and of yeah, that little that little small cinema in Greystones that we're very proud locally uh, appeared in Father Ted. Let's hear uh, a little bit though from that Neil Jordan 1996 movie, Michael Collins. This is Liam Neeson as Collins delivering one of his famous speeches. They can jail us. They can shoot us. They can even conscript us. They can use us as cannon fodder in the Psalm. But, but. We have a weapon more powerful than any in the whole arsenal of their British Empire. And that weapon is our refusal. Our refusal to bow to any order but our own. Any institution but our own. Our friends at the Royal Irish Constabulary would like to shoot me up. Jail me again. Shoot me. Who knows? And I'd like you to send them a message. If they shut me up, who'll take my place? Who's going to take my place? I can't hear you. Michael Collins, and that was Liam Neeson as Michael Collins. What did you think of Neeson portraying him? Oh, I thought he was superb. Um, no, I thought he, I thought he was really, really superb. And again, it's become kind of um, it's become an iconic uh, performance. I suppose a whole generation of people in our country grew up now with their first introduction to to Michael Collins and that history being through the portrayal uh, of Liam Neeson. I'm also just remembering now, and I hope I'm right on this, but I'm actually pretty sure some of that movie was shot um, 
around Greystones as well. I think some of the houses yeah, some used Bray, it. The Carlisle grounds were definitely Bray, Wanderers play was used as the location for the reenactment of Bloody Sunday. Yeah, and I think some of the houses that were used. I have to check this now, but I think some of them were shot around Church Road and Greystones too, so it's just coming back to me as well. Sure, you're, you're like a Healy Ray for getting all the local <laughs> references in. I'm learning from them, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you have one other movie you mentioned as well, one that's come up many times in this programme. Why have you put down the Shawshank Redemption? Yeah, it, it, it nearly comes up too often that you nearly kind of cringe slightly when you put it up because I think if you were probably to do a list of people's favourite movies, it probably appears more than more than, more than than most. Again, I just think it's it's a movie that... That, that that you can watch time and time again. Uh, you can really get something new from it each and every time. There's so many strong characters uh, in terms of the script and actors in terms of how they perform. Um, so yeah, it's one that it's one that I've watched countless times. So it, it merited a mention. Okay, Simon Harris is going to stay with us because we'll get to favorite plays and musicals, books, TV shows, and movies. When we well, we've sorry, we've done the movies, but we'll get to all those other things when we come back after this break. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. Welcome back to our Culture Club. We're on our January political series as we do each year and we're today joined by the Minister for Further and Higher Education and Acting Minister for Justice, Simon Harris. So... You have nominated as your favourite musical Hamilton. Like I'd say, at this stage, nearly a hundred people in this slot. <laughs> yeah, it's um, yeah, it's brilliant. I saw it in London. Um, we have the soundtrack of it as well, which 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 isn't on a regular basis. It's um, it's a power, it's a powerful musical because I think what you're doing, what you're seeing is the telling of a historical story. Now you can debate the historical accuracy, though I think it's pretty much there. Um, you're telling a historical story about maybe a forgotten founding father of the States in Alexander Hamilton, but combining it uh, with very modern uh, music and the likes, and therefore probably making a, a political or historical story accessible to a whole new generation of people. Um, I haven't seen yet, though I believe it's it's out or about to come out, I think on Disney as a movie or something. I haven't, I haven't seen it. Oh, there is a version of it available, I, I a stage version, yeah. Um, but... Um, but I think it's a very it's a very powerful musical. I've seen a fair few musicals over the years. The Lion King is... A pretty mad, is, is a pretty powerful one in terms of the in terms of the score. Uh, I saw Wicked. Um, I saw Wicked as well. But I think Hamilton is. Uh, I, I think it is the, the musical of its time. Let's hear a little bit of Satisfied. Now everyone, give it up for the maid of honor, Angelica Skyler. A toast to the groom. To the groom. To the groom. To the groom. To the bride. Satisfied from Hamilton. Now, as it turns out, I understand that you actually had ambitions yourself, <laughs> not as actually a performer on stage, but to actually write for the stage. Yeah, this is a 
this story sounds strange every time I tell it, but uh, sure, why not? Um, uh, so grow, growing up, uh, growing up, my my mother enrolled my, all of us, I think, in a uh, in kind of speech and drama classes, and uh, the great the great late Gladys Sheehan, who's quite an institution in and of herself, uh, was our drama teacher. And uh, when I was a young teenager, um, I wrote a play um, called uh, it was called On the Run. And uh, God, that's actually an embarrassing story to tell, but uh, we're in too deep now. Go on, but um, I don't, it was um, it was a story about t- t- two kids who basically ran away from home and the adventure they went on. However, the most exciting thing about it was well, two things. One, we actually staged it uh, in Greystones, and a load of other young people and, and and older young people than I was at the time got involved in helping putting it on and making the set. And and we actually staged it for I think five nights in in a hall called St Patrick's Hall, and um, and that in and of itself was was hugely exciting. But the second thing and the thing that has stuck with me to this day was. I was really fortunate to have an incredible neighbour and, and, and a real gentleman called um, called Bernard Farrell, the very well-known playwright in this country, uh, lives in, in, in Redford Park, where I'm from locally. And um, I remember uh, knocking on the door of Bernard's house uh, as, a, as, a, as a timid young teenager uh, and asking for his help, which again sounds like an outrageous thing to do, this amazing playwright uh, that Bernard is. And he so kindly um, helped me and guided me with it. And then did even more than that, came to the opening night, uh, brought Ben Barnes, who was the artistic director of the Abbey um, at the time. And then they very kindly invited me. And again, this kind of, this young random teenager very kindly invited me to go to a couple of, um, it was kind of weekend seminars in the Abbey Theatre with the late Grace Hugh Leonard. Um, My family and I got invited to see um, the production of Da, one of Hugh Leonard's uh, amazing plays. And I actually have here with me two, two books that Hugh Leonard gave me um, of two of his plays, The Mask of Moriarty and Summer. So whilst, um, whilst I certainly haven't gone into, into playwriting or, or drama and I'm in a very different, uh, a very different sphere uh, these days. And did you um, have that incredible, incredible that? Uh, Never in a really serious way. Um, but it's, it's, it's certainly write, writing is and was something that I, I really enjoy um, and certainly drama and uh, and writing and all my friends in speech and drama growing up was a big part um, of, of who I was uh, growing growing up and I suppose some of the skills that you learn in terms of writing and... Uh, what age were you at the stage? I was in first year in secondary school so I was about 13 I think. Yeah. Okay, you say it was about two children on the run or running away from home. I wasn't inspired by any local, it wasn't yeah. inspired by my family or anything yeah, just Because <laughs> I'm told that it dealt with subjects such as alcoholism and child abuse and death. You were doing that as a first year in secondary well, school. Well I think that's a very dark take, I think that's a very dark take on it. It was more, uh, it was more two kind of, yeah, young people who ran away, uh, ran away from home which is I, 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 I dug out the script in the in the attic of my uh, of my house before I came on this program and I read it and I was uh, yeah it was it was a uh, it was a very interesting time in my life and a very interesting experience but like I say something that always struck with me was the huge generosity of of some amazing giants um, of theatre in Ireland and of playing not just in Ireland internationally well, and how they were willing to support a little thirteen year old boy in Greystone and you went knocking on the door which is a skill you needed as a politician well I still did a bit of that yeah. Yeah, exactly <laughs> favourite book or author what have you gone for so as a child and, and I always like promoting children's reading because it was one of the best gifts my parents gave me but um, I was hooked on the Roald Dahl books um, as a young person I remember doing the I think it was MS Readathon. Uh, back when I was growing up and my sister and I being in kind of mass competition as to who could read uh, more books. So one of the greatest gifts uh, my parents ever gave us and that I want to pass on to my children is the gift of of reading. In terms of today, um, 
a mixture, I suppose. When actually, I, before you get to sorry, say, yes, because please. we actually have mm. a little bit of Roald Dahl. Oh, great. Matilda is back in the cinemas, I think, soon. Uh, we have the book read by Kate Winslet. Matilda's brother Michael was a perfectly normal boy, but the sister, as I said, was something to make your eyes pop. By the age of one and a half, her speech was perfect, and she knew as many words as most grown-ups. The parents, instead of applauding her, called her a noisy chatterbox and told her sharply that small girls should be seen and not heard. By the time she was three, Matilda had taught herself to read by studying newspapers and magazines that lay around the house. At the age of four, she could read fast and well, and she naturally began hankering after books. The only book in the whole of this enlightened household was something called Easy Cooking, belonging to her mother. And when she had read this from cover to cover and had learned all the recipes by heart, she decided she wanted something more interesting. Daddy, she said, do you think you could buy me a book? A book, he said. What do you want a flaming book for? To read, Daddy. What's wrong with a telly, for heaven's sake? We've got a lovely telly with a 12-inch screen and now you come asking for a book? You're getting spoiled, my girl. Kate Winslet reading from the opening of Matilda by Roald Dahl. What about now? What do, you, do you get time to read now? I do, not as much as I'd like. Uh, I end up reading a lot of things to do at work, but um, I find Audible helps uh, in that regard. And I must say there's something particularly powerful about listening to, I think particularly biographies read by the uh, read, read, read by the author. So uh, listen, I read, listened on Audible to the, uh, to the Obama, uh, to the Barack Obama one re- recently, also listened to the Michelle Obama one. Just finished the Tony Blair uh, book. Is it A Journey? Um, his autobiography. That's a long time since that came it's out. A long I remember o- it's a long interviewing him at the time in yeah. 2010 when he brought Absolutely. that out. And it's, and it's a great read. I mean, controversial political figure in some ways, but still I think one of the best politicians um, of his generation. Um, I, I, though when I liked, I'm sorry, one more, one more on the political sphere. Shattered is an amazing book for anybody interested in American politics. It's the, it's a book by two authors who were embedded on the Hillary Clinton campaign and they were charged with writing the book about the first woman to become president of the United States. And of course, and of course they got, they got, it went wrong. It was a terrible result from my perspective, many people's, um, but they got a much better book. And uh, the book is really quite powerful about how it went wrong. Quite hard to read if you're, if you're a Clinton fan. Now, when I, when I go, when I go away on holidays or want to kind of tune out, um, I'm a John Grisham fan. I think John Grisham is just, it enables you to switch off. Uh, it's just, I think he's the best crime thrilling uh, thriller writer uh, that there is. What about television? Yeah, television is definitely something I enjoy. Um, I've lately been watching um, The Crown, um, which is, I, I prefer the previous series being I think the, last, the fifth series has been disappointing. I think it's a bit disappointing and I think the closer it gets to when I've been too controversial, I think the closer it gets to modern time, the more one wonders the accuracy or, or how much people are actually putting in opinion. Whereas I certainly felt you were able to watch previous versions and maybe learn or, or relearn or refamiliarize yourself with some historical um, events. I watched um, which a great Daniel Craig um, movie there, uh, The Glass Onion. Oh, yes. um, I watched that oh, over, yeah, over Christmas. As many people did at Christmas. I, I, think, I, I think so. so. I'm planning, I haven't started it yet, but I'm planning on starting The Patient um, which I think is on is is on um, that's worth D- Disney Plus. I haven't, I haven't seen that yet. No, that's Donald Gleeson and uh, yes, Donald Gleeson, yeah. definitely worth watching. But I believe you're a child of Glen Rowe again. Your constituency. <laughs> well, it was, and that's not yeah. That that is coincidental, though. I can assure you. But that growing up again, again locally in Wicklow, we used to always um, 
great excitement locally when you're a school kid and you'd see the, the filming of Glenrow happening uh, which happened in the village of Kilcool just a, a few minutes from where I live but Glenrow like probably anybody of my age or a little bit older or a little bit younger it signified the end of the uh, the end of the weekend Let's and you were hoping you could uh, stay up until the music came on and your parents sent you to bed then Let's hear a clip of Denis played by the late Joe Lynch and Miley played by the late Mick Lally There's tea Ah, enough of tea Sweet cake Nice, should have had me dinner as far as I can see, you were having a lot more than your dinner. <laughs> I'll be God now. Is a man not entitled to give his wife a nice, friendly squeeze without having half the country bursting in on top of them? Don't get me wrong. I was glad to see you getting back to normal. Well, I was back to normal. <laughs> Matter of opinion. Would it be in order to ask... Is the rent in no, it would not be an order task if there's anything stern. Because not only is there nothing stern, but there's going to be nothing stern. Gladro, listen, we've a minute left. Tell us you have a story to finish. We asked for a cultural buried treasure. You want to talk about Seamus Heaney? Yeah, well, obviously Seamus Heaney, thankfully, is not a, a, a hidden cultural treasure. He's a national uh, He's a national treasure. But recently I had the honour of, of launching um, a book uh, written by locals in my community in Ashford uh, called in, in the Ivy. And... Seamus, what, what I think a lot of people don't know and I want everybody to know was actually Seamus Heaney wrote his best poetry in his view and did his best writing uh, in County Wicklow and he had a description in the book uh, that I launched of, of Wicklow and he said often when I'm in my own car driving down from Dublin to Wicklow in spring or early summer or indeed at any time of the year I get this sudden joy uh, from the sheer fact of the mountains to my right and the sea to my left, the flow of farmland, the sweep of the road and the lift of the sky and to me, that's something that always has, that, that just encapsulates in the best way ever, uh, County Wicklow. And we've na- there's a little walk now in the Devil's Glen in Ashford uh, named the Heaney Walk uh, in his memory. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today is-